sharpen up my face. It's the man, it's the man, watch that. It's the man, it's the man, watch that. It's the man, it's the man, watch that. Hey there, what's going on? Welcome to the Matt Watch That Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to review a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've reviewed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, when I declared to be a film major in college, I wanted to learn all aspects of the industry, but my main focus was screenwriting. That's what interests me most. I attempted to write three screenplays, and they were all types of horrific. It's mostly because the subject matter I was writing about didn't inspire me, but I didn't realize that yet. Then, one night my family got together. We used to do this coffee and cake thing on Saturdays. I would hang out with my cousins who were much younger than me, so we would play with Legos, I'd build a fort, it was a good time. But the night would always end with a video. My cousins had an expansive movie collection, but they were mostly Disney films or TV programs geared towards kids. I tried to influence their decision with the movies that I liked, but the majority of the time they selected Barney the Dinosaur. Barney the Dinosaur. I was about 1.3 seconds into the theme song before I wanted to blow my head off with a shotgun. That's when I had a thought that would change my life. I want to create a television show that's appropriate for kids, but tolerable for adults. I went home that night and created the pilot episode of what would become my first animated series. The experience wasn't easy, but I never had so much fun writing. And that's when I knew. When I sit down to write a script, I didn't want to create a courtroom drama or a police procedural. I live reality every day. Writing is my escape. I want to spend that time creating fantastical tales about heroic warriors, legendary beasts, and extraordinary adventures. Animation was my platform to do this. Like most kids, animation was my first introduction to movies and television. Every day after school and on Saturday mornings were a combination of classic cartoons like The Flintstones, The Jetsons, and Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, along with original episodes of G.I. Joe, Transformers, Voltron, He-Man and She-Ra, Dun-dun-dun-dun, Inspector Gadget, Muppet Babies, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, The Smurfs, Thundercats, Ho! Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Real Ghostbusters, Garfield and Friends, Gummy Bears, who were bouncing here and there and everywhere, Chippendales Rescue Rangers, Pound Puppies, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, DuckTales. Now admit it, you either sang out loud or thought in your head, woo! But my biggest influence was probably Looney Tunes. Those shorts inspired my comedic sensibilities, facial expressions, it was my introduction to classical music, and no matter how many times I see Wile E. Coyote run off a cliff, stand in midair staring at the camera before plummeting to the ground with a little puff of smoke, I will laugh every single time. This was also around the second golden age of animation and movies. Disney was in financial peril after a few box office flops and were risking everything on a red-headed girl named Ariel. The Little Mermaid helped usher in a new era of beautifully hand-drawn animation along with memorable songs from Howard Ashman and Alan Menken. 
That was followed by Beauty and the Beast in 1991, Aladdin in 92, and culminated with The Lion King in 1994, which was the height of hand-drawn animation. On the stop-motion animated front, The Nightmare Before Christmas was an absolute marvel, and there was the first computer-animated feature-length film, Toy Story, in 1995. There were other movies, Pocahontas, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan, but none of them captured the magic of the early 90s. Some people outgrow aspects of their childhood, find other interests, but animation is a versatile medium where an adult's imagination can run wild. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of 5 stars. 1 star is Skip It, 2 stars is Watch at Your Own Risk, 3 stars, Standard Fair, 4 stars, Worth Checking Out, 5 stars, Must See. Now if I give a title 5 stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. I'll keep the spoilers to a minimum, tangents to a maximum. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie Spirited Away from 2001 about a 10-year-old girl named Chihiro who accidentally ventures into a world of magic, gods, and monsters. It was written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki, one of the most innovative animators and storytellers in Japan, though his influence is felt worldwide. He also helmed Hal's Moving Castle, Princess Mononoke, and Ponyo. He co-founded Studio Ghibli, a film and animation production company. Now, I watched the version that is currently available on HBO Max, so it's an English dub rather than in its native language with subtitles, for what it's worth, but that's what this review is based on. John Lasseter, who was working at Pixar at the time, served as the executive producer for the English adaptation, which included customizing the dialogue to match the established lip movements of the animation and adding lines for clarity to an American audience. Walt Disney Pictures released it under their banner in North America. The movie starts off with Chihiro and her parents driving in the car. They've moved to a new town and are on their way to the house. She's unhappy, as any child would be leaving their friends and familiar surroundings. But Chihiro's a bit of a Debbie Downer and a little on edge. She needs to take a chill pill, you know? Her parents try to encourage her to see the positives. The mother talks about how the move is a new adventure. The father is upbeat, take charge type. So, when they come to a shortcut across the route, he decides this is the way to go. As they venture further, they pass by shrines, which the mother says it's believed little spirits live there. Eventually, they can no longer proceed because the road is blocked by a statue. Behind it is a tunnel, which her parents are eager to see what's on the other side, but Chihiro initially refuses to follow. But as they enter, she's scared to be alone and catches up to her parents real quick. They walk through the underpass and arrived at an unoccupied town. As he examines closer, the father says that this place is an abandoned theme park, which shuttered in the 90s due to a downturn in the economy. Then they cross a dried-up riverbed, which the father deduces based on the rocks bordering the area. On the other side is a deserted village, which the family walks through and arrive at a kiosk, which has all sorts of delicacies. As her parents sit down to have a bite to eat, Chihiro explores the town and finds a bathhouse. She encounters a boy named Haku, who is my second favorite Haku behind the professional wrestler. He was very underrated and legitimately a tough guy. He warns her that she has to get across the river before nightfall, otherwise they will come. As the sun begins to set, spirits start to populate the once vacated town. Chihiro runs back to her parents only to discover that they've been transformed into pigs. Yeah, I said that right. Pigs. Oink oink pigs. 
Unsure what to do, she attempts to leave the town, but the river has accumulated water, so she can no longer cross. She's stuck. Haku tells her that she can rescue her parents, but it will involve working at the bathhouse, where she meets colorful characters including Kamaji, the boiler man, Lin, a bathhouse worker, and Yababa, who runs the bathhouse. I really enjoyed this movie and never lost interest for a second. I like how the story was revealed, like peeling the layers of an onion, which is why I don't want to go into too much more detail and spoil the rest of the film. It's a fun journey to go on, such an imaginative story with interesting characters. Visually, it's gorgeous, and that is not a word I use often. It sounds odd coming out of my mouth. I thought the voice acting was well done. Chihiro was portrayed by Davy Chase, best known as Samara from The Ring. Veteran voice actors Jason Marsden and David Odgin Styers played Haku and Kamaji, respectively. It was nice hearing Suzanne Plachette's husky voice as the character of Yababa, which would be her final acting role. Susan Egan, who played Meg in Hercules, did the voice of Lynn. As I mentioned previously, because they took the extra care and attention during the dubbing process, the performances look seamless. It's not like those old Godzilla movies, which I love, where the lip syncs didn't exactly match. They were, they were off just a scotch. Now, most animated movies try to have a consistent look and feel throughout, but what I was most impressed by was the mixture of styles. It's interesting, though, because there is so much detail in some of the secondary characters that I wanted Chihiro and the other human characters to be more elaborately drawn, but I suppose that might take away from the majesty of the world she's encountered. There were some beautiful shots in this film. While they were driving in the car, the town was reflected in the windows as they passed. When they were in the first building at the theme park, the sun shined through the stained glass windows, the refraction was painted in watercolors, looked amazing. Even the smallest details were impressive, the wind blew, and you can see Chihiro's socks subtly moving. But my favorite shot occurs when Yababa leaps from behind the desk, the animation, the camera angle, is just perfect. The score is composed by Joe Hiyasashi, who is a frequent collaborator of Miyazaki. During delicate moments, he used piano motifs, most successfully in One Summer's Day. Action scenes were accompanied by brass and orchestration. When the spirits were up and active, traditional Japanese instrumentation was used. It all meshed together well. The runtime is 2 hours and 5 minutes. Tisk tisk. The budget for the movie was under $20 million and made a worldwide gross of $355 million. It won Best Animated Feature at the 2003 Academy Awards and remains the only traditional hand-drawn film to win that honor. Ultimately, the movie comes down to Dad Knows Directions, Easter Island Heads, Winds of Change, Outdoor Dining, Spirits in the Material World, The Blob, King Kong Bundy, and The NeverEnding Story. I give it 4.5 out of 5 stars. Add half a star if you're a fan of animation. If you've seen Spirited Away and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along. Each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called MattWatchThat Playback. It's rare that a film lives up to the hype, and I heard all the rave reviews for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but it can't be that good, right? Wrong! I loved everything about this movie. I can't even adequately express it. 
I watched it three times within a 24-hour period and kept finding excruciatingly beautiful details. Okay, it was a slow weekend. Sony Pictures Imageworks did a bang-up job on the animation. I know some people were thrown off a bit by the style, but I thought it was visually stunning. You know, by now, origin stories have been done to death, and if I have to see Bruce Wayne's parents die in another movie, it will be too soon. But the writers, Phil Lord and Rodney Rothman, found unique ways to introduce these characters, their backstories, and the multiverses. One of the aspects that makes Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse so distinctive is the score by Daniel Pemberton, who also composed the music for Yesterday, Ocean's 8, Molly's Game, Birds of Prey, and Enola Holmes. He uses a mixture of instrumentation, programming, loops, samples, and effects to create a soundscape that helps define this environment. This is done most convincingly in the theme for The Prowler, he used the sound effect of an elephant as the driving force for the song. An elephant, uh, neighing, or w what do elephants do? Winnie? No, those are horses, right? Whatever that sound is, the... <laughs> I would never have thought to use that in a song. Anyway, I like the idea of comic books and the chronicles of superheroes, but I'm not exactly a fan of comic book movies or keep up to date on the latest issues. I think it's because I have no idea where to start, so I have no reference for the Miles Morales storyline. I was going into this with a blank slate. The reveal of the Prowler combined with the music was such an impactful scene that I didn't see coming at all. I might have been a bit naive to the circumstances, but it was really well done. I cannot praise all aspects of this movie enough. I've included the theme for the Prowler on the Matt Watch That Playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Coraline. Kinda. It's actually my excuse to talk about the stop-motion animation company, Leica. At a time when people are using CGI ad nauseum, these creators decided to dedicate their lives to making films one frame at a time. Their animator's goal is to capture four seconds of animation per week. Yeah, I said that. Per week. Imagine spending that much time on such little time. I wish I had that much patience. I know how frustrating it is to record a 20-minute podcast, let alone doing a 90-minute feature film, and I would be the one on set that sneezes and ruins the entire shot. There are a few videos on YouTube about their process, and it's fascinating to watch. They used 3D printing systems to create the facial features of their characters, expansive rigs which assist in moving the puppets into place. There are as many departments as a live-action film because technically it is, except their sets, objects, and stars are scaled down. I'll post the art, science, and wonder of Leica on the Matt Watch That Playback playlist. Leica is based out in Hillsboro, Oregon, and owned by Nike. Yeah, an odd combination. But in the 90s, Phil Knight invested in Will Vinton Studios where his son, Travis, was an animator, eventually acquiring the company and renaming to Leica after the Soviet space dog. Their first project was Coraline, written and directed by Henry Selleck, who also helmed The Nightmare Before Christmas, and was based off the novel of the same name by Neil Gaiman. It's their highest grossing film, and for good reason. It's a bit quirky and could be scary in some places for a younger audience, but it's also imaginative and a perennial Halloween favorite. 
Their next offering was Paranorman, followed by the Box Trolls. Kubo and the Two Strings could be their crowning achievement. I am in awe of that movie. Their latest was Missing Link. Each movie is more impressive than the last. It's hard to imagine when watching these films that what you're seeing are physical elements. They keep advancing their technique. In fact, Kubo and the Two Strings was only the second animated film that was nominated for a Best Visual Effects Academy Award. While they haven't had their major breakthrough or blockbuster hit on the level of Disney, Pixar, Illumination, DreamWorks, or Sony Pictures Animation, it's critical to support these filmmakers and this nearly extinct art form. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've reviewed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. I do plan on having an interactive element, but I need them listeners. So follow, subscribe, like, and spread the word. Until next time, I finally get a bouquet, and it's a goodbye present. It won Best Animated Feature at the 2003 Animated Worlds series? What am I talking about? It's rare that a film lives up to the hype, and I heard all the rave reviews for Spider-Man Into the the Spider-Burst. Who accidentally ventures into a world of magic god... (laughs) The Little Mermaid helped usher in a new era of beautifully... Beautifully what?